I would knock his teeth down his throat. Put us under siege. This is absolutely incredible. This is your United States of America. Welcome to Team Raw. Speak your mind. It does not matter. Cross the line, I'll say the truth. No. I will put Pete Dot is the real deal. Why don't you take it back? Who wants to walk with the lion? Did you hear that? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 11 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, now powered by GorillaPosition.com for Thursday, November 9th, 2017. On today's edition of the show, it's all about the red and blue as Rick and I break down Raw and SmackDown and take a special look at NXT call-ups. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Talking creative, the business aspects of professional wrestling, and of course, giving our unsolicited opinions. You can contact the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. You can also now find us on thegorillaposition.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, joined alongside my Huckleberry, RBV. Rick, welcome to your show. It's me, it's me, it's RBV. Since this is our official debut episode with our new family over at thegorillaposition.com, I suppose I should formally introduce myself. My name is Rick Vickery. And if I may speak for, for both of us here at Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, you know, I hope, I hope the listeners out there hearing us, I hope they're going to be hearing us for a very long time. And I want to give a major shout out and a thank you to our man, Ryan K. Bowman. Uh, thank you for this tremendous opportunity, sir. Absolutely. We appreciate the platform. We appreciate the opportunity and we appreciate you listening. Let's dive on in, man. Let's dive on in. We've, we've got some, uh, some red, some blue, and some breaking news. Let's get through it all. Well, let's start with Raw. There was one thing right off the top of the show that I noticed. The then-now-forever signature, Jericho's still in it. Did you catch that? I, I didn't, but you've got it here in the sheet. And I'll tell you what, this is, this is no surprise, because let's face it, Jericho is one of the few men in this business who goes where he wants and does what he wants. Jericho's the new Brian Pillman, the guy that's going to do shit that you just can't even begin to imagine. I was thinking about before you even, you even brought this up, you know, how he kind of just has like that open door policy with Vince. You really think about how impressive an accomplishment that is that he can, he can just do whatever he wants here. I mean, there's how many greats have we seen, you know, just worn out their welcomes at times, yet Y2J, yeah, he just calls every shot of his, of his own. You know, I got to thinking about something about Jericho and where he falls in the list of the greatest of all time. And it's hard to have that conversation just because of eras and how WCW worked and ECW versus modern day era versus, you know, flair back in the seventies. And there's one consistency when you talk about guys like Ric Flair, when you talk about guys like Shawn Michaels, when you talk about guys like Chris Jericho, that character is them. And you can go back to the very beginning of their career and just trace it. And it's the same character throughout their entire career. That's something that's just getting lost in the modern day era of WWE. What's kind of cool about that, when you really, like, if you hear, like, someone like Jericho talk about that, you know, he'll even try to sell it off as, you know, I have to add little things to my character. And, yeah, sure, they have to tweak things here and there. But it's almost that flipped at the times almost change with them in a way. In a way, yeah, you're right. Is there anybody else on the roster that you feel that way about? 
anybody that's been through the independent scene, been through multiple companies, well, I mean, AJ to an extent, but do you really feel like the AJ Styles that you see now is the AJ Styles that we saw in TNA a dozen years ago? Or does it feel like a completely different person to you? I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, because it, he's, it's, he's just grown so much. But I can go back, and, you know, the first, my first memories of Jericho was when he, he came to the States and was down in Smoky Mountain, uh, along with Lance Storm and that tag team with, as the Thrill Seekers. And I can, I can still go back and watch those things, and I, and I feel like I'm just watching Jericho from yesterday, or just, you know, literally yesterday, a couple of days ago, whenever he, his last match was. Yeah, the moveset hasn't changed very much. The charisma hasn't changed very much. There's certain things that he used to do then that maybe he doesn't do now. I always love the uh, one foot on the chest, come on, baby, pin. I wish he'd do that more often. Just that cocky, young, brash kid who's now grown into the best in the world at what he does. I, you know, for me, we're right in the same age. I, just, I don't know how you feel about it, but, you know, all time, he is my, he's my number two favorite. Right behind Flair. Right behind Flair. Flair number one, then Jericho, and then I, I probably have a couple tied there for that three, uh, led by Mr. Brian Pillman, but all very unique characters, to say the least. You get into splitting hairs when you start talking about guys at that level. HBK, right. Styles, Jericho, Flair. That's a conversation for another time. Let's talk about Ms. TV. They talk about another. We're talking about a character here, man. A guy that's character work is carrying the show. Absolutely, Miz has been the feature of Monday Night Raw since Roman went out. Do you think they're teasing a little bit of a babyface turn here with Miz? I, I'm just, you kind of get that vibe here at times, but then you know I want to reel it back a little bit and remind myself that it is Survivor Series time. This is more of a novelty show, so they they're going to set up one brand. A bit more as a face, you know, opposed to the other one. And it's been obvious here that that Raw is, they are the the babies of this brand war. So I'm thinking that's a little bit sprinkled in there. I, I just, I think that he can let it go to the edge and he's so good. He can pull it back anytime he wants and you'll hate him more than ever. Miz is starting to feel like that Jericho type character for me, where he's so good at being a heel and you respect his work so much that you're really starting to hear the crowd pop for Miz. And it just feels inevitable. Well, because that respect, you're saying, yeah, you can respect them and you're going to get that pop. But you also get caught up in it that they're so good that you know you have to, you have to get in on, on the show and, and give them their heat. Hashtag boo the bad guys. But then there was the Baron Corbin promo. And I love when he brought up Baron Corbin and the crowd started booing. And he's like, yeah, you can boo him all you want. Just little little stuff like that off the top of his head. And then he goes right back into his script. Well, yeah, he, he knows right where he's at at all times. It's, he's it's, just feeling that crowd right now on a different level. Well, what sets him apart from so many others on, on the roster, he's actually a professionally trained actor. Well, and the thing that really stood out about this promo to me was you could not have put this promo anywhere else on the show. Miz is just so good at being like, okay, before we really jump into the show, I need to address something. And he cuts his little promo, 
And then he goes right into the show because there's nowhere else on the show that you could have promoted this match. The way Miz has been doing this on social media, taking little opportunities like that, for two minutes I'm going to talk about Baron Corbin and I'm going to put over this match and make you want to see it. I'm going to knock his fucking teeth down his throat. I couldn't believe you know, he said that on Twitter. I was, I was kind of thinking you know, about how he just had just a moment here to address this. You know, this is, you have a champion versus champ. These are two of your top titles. They're going to square off, and it's almost become a secondary sideshow on this novelty show that is Survivor Series. And, you know, I, I talk quite a bit about WWE being more interactive during live events, especially, but, I mean, going here live on television. And I talk about them being more active with their social media. To me, this would have been a perfect opportunity to slide in some live live Facebook to live air promos for each show as you're running through the entire episode. Hmm. Now you have me thinking about something. You, do you and not, remember? And not just, not just this match, because, you know, the, the, the women's versus women's. I mean, I don't feel like there's... I don't have any real stake in this thing unless I've followed, you know, some shit talk online or anything. Just red versus blue. That's it. Yeah. Is that enough to make me invest in this thing? It's, it doesn't I mean, matter because how... this show is sold now. This show, the main event is going to sell this show. Well, I'm talking from the get-go, but, it, you know, I like to be enjoyed during an undercard. Well, yeah, so but that's, that's that been that the like problem with the, the company for the last decade. There is no undercard. They just focus so much on the main event. Well, I th- especially with a novelty show like Survivor Series, you have the two touring brands, and that doesn't permit you, know, permit you the time to properly build a program on television. You know how so you asinine have, you have that to sounds, go in though? These, oh, I know, but you have to go into this a, a novelty show like this, and you're just expecting one-offs, and it doesn't really get you that, that investment part that really brings – a show alive and what makes wrestling so special. Oh, I understand what you're saying. But I mean, just the fact that, you know, there's not enough TV time to build a match like this. They have five hours a week. They have plenty of time. It's just the format of their show. Well, you know, on that too, you can't really, I don't know how many people would at a SmackDown live event on Monday would miss Baron Corbin not being there, but I'm sure that, you know, if I bought a ticket to on a Tuesday night to a Raw live event and Miz wasn't there, I'd be pretty pissed if I knew he had to go over to SmackDown to do some filming. Do you remember when Tyler Breeze was in NXT and he'd come out with the selfie stick and they would like project from his phone onto the Titantron? There has to be, oh, yeah. there has to be a way they could do that with Facebook live. So when you have a segment like this, where Miz starts cutting his promo on Corbin, and then Kurt comes out. At the end of the promo, I want Corbin to pop up on the Titantron via Facebook Live, Twitter, Skype, whatever social media company you want to sponsor this segment, and have him be like, you know what, I was just sitting on my couch watching Monday Night Raw, and you start running your mouth. And give it that live reaction feeling. Or come out and say, you know, he pops up on there and he's like, you know, I just pulled my phone out. I'm over in blah, 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 doing a, doing a show. I just kicked the shit out of Sin Cara. I'm coming, you know, I'm, someone, I'm coming for you next there. And you could have done this with any of these 
any of these with matches. any of these matches. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Hmm. Save that one. So Miz introduces Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle comes out. I love Kurt Angle like supporting the Miz in his match, and Miz just being like, "Aw, isn't that special?" Thought that was fantastic. You know Miz, what? I'm, Miz makes the case that Braun beat him up. That was fantastic too. The angle set him up. You know, just overall, you know, before we really jump into the meat here, you know, once again, bravo to the Miz. I mean, how many time and time again he he proves himself to be the superstar of the year. Each and every time he gets the best of whoever he's working with, if it's in a match or especially in a promo. And in this segment right here, he brought the fire out of Kurt Angle. The only thing I didn't like about this promo was the throwing to constant video packages. He threw to what, three different video packages during this promo? Yeah, and those, especially in your, this is your opening segment, and once again, we had an extended opening package at the top of the show. It's just so many reminders to, to what's happened in the past here. It kind of gets you off track, but... Man, I, I really enjoyed the fire out of Kurt. He came firing back. Uh, it's something that we haven't seen from him in quite a while. So we find out Braun has negotiated a deal with Kurt Angle. He will join Team Raw, but he has to get a match with The Miz out of it. So Braun was smart how, how, enough. How do you think that goes down? Well, Braun was smart enough to negotiate, if I'm going to be on Team Raw, I want a match with The Miz. But he wasn't smart enough to make sure that the Intercontinental title was on the line. Like it, it just that, that didn't make any sense. I can get that, and I, I'll, I'll give you what I my view on that here in a sec. But how does he go in the office? Does he come in and just like slam a big club or like a big slab of meat on he, the desk, you know? Or I'm guessing that he knocks very like some politely big old, and big old says, "Hey, Kurt, you got a second? I'd like to talk to you." <laughs> I, I would. That's what I'd like to see that on social media or somewhere like that. Give me that. But, you know, maybe his, maybe his thought is that he doesn't want to beat Miz yet for the Intercontinental title because then that would take him off of Team Raw and he wants to be in that big five-on-five -five match. That, that's probably the thing I struggle with the most about the Survivor Series lineup right now is why does Braun Strowman want to be on Team Raw? I need more than he just wanted to match with The Miz. Because I'm pretty sure Braun Strowman could walk up to Kurt Angle the next time he's on his phone and just say, you're going to give me a match with Miz. And it's not like Kurt's going to say no. It's Braun fucking Strowman. I need, yeah. I need some motivation here. And, and also... He wants a match with Miz with with not with the, or going back to what you're saying without the championship on the line. So there really is no ultimate like reward here. So why doesn't he just go find the Miz and kill him and just beat the shit out of him backstage? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, why do you need a why a does Braun need a ding ding ding? Yeah, why do you need the a timekeeper, the bell, a referee, and approval from your GM? That's never stopped you before from going through the locker room and trashing everybody. What did you think of Miz's reaction to finding out he was going to be in a match with Braun Strowman? And I can't help but laugh because it was comedy. 
but it wasn't the over campy comedy like Braun Strowman raising up from the garbage truck. Like I actually enjoyed Miz just being like, oh God, no. The little quiver in his lip and the big gulp in his throat. I liked it. It was that subtle thing like he's like it hit him, but it's just starting to really sink in and what's going on. And then I even you know, like when they were talking him talking him down before the match backstage. You know, trying to convince him, hey man. He, it was a surprise last week, but there's three of us now. We're ready for him. You know, trying to get him geared up towards the match. I loved Curtis Axel's response when he's just like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Dude, I was digging him the entire time. I thought he was just like suddenly stealing the show in in these segments. As good as everyone else is around him in this, you know, he was he was doing the least but standing out so much. How do you feel about the Miz Taraj at this point? Because we all thought that it was kind of weird when it was originally put together. And Miz said, I'm going to turn these two into stars. I feel like Axel is definitely on his way. How do you think Bo's doing? You know, except for that brief time off, I think he's got a great, he's got a great look now. He's standing out with it. I, I guess think they're both going to... He's I more relevant than he together. was. Oh, you can't. I mean, is there really a questioning that? I mean, how could you be any more irrelevant? Man, when I think of people that they've really dropped the ball with on the main roster, Bo's one of them. Were you, did you, were you an NXT fan when Bo was the champion? Yeah, I was familiar with the product. I'm, you know, I can't say that I was tuning in every week and die hard about it. I loved but what I'm Bo was doing in NXT. The business suits and the sunglasses, and it was like the very beginning of the Bo Leave thing. But I loved his character in NXT, and then he got when as soon as he hit the main roster, it was just super cheesy. Well, because they didn't understand it, you know, as they saw show so often proved to us. But I, I think this is a great breath of fresh air for for each of those individuals, and I'm expected. I, I hope they stay together as a group going forward, but I'd like to see those two start succeeding on their own and move into that tag tag division. Yeah, I would love to see them move into the tag division. Absolutely. You talk about a trio I'd love to see out there holding gold. You know, Miz with that Intercontinental Championship and those two with with and the Raw the Tag Stooges Team Championship. with the tag titles. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And, and just think of how over the top all their egos would be. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. I just wish that they'd change the name. I hate the name, The Miz Taraj. I'm I never a big that. fan when they name a, a faction after the leader. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's, it's, it's okay that we can, yes, we can have a standout, but at least try to give us some feeling that, they're, that there's equal in there. What would you call their faction if it wasn't The Miz Taraj? What would you call the faction? Oh man, put me on a spot here. Man, I, I'm one of those. I like to do re- research, man. I'd like to go back and try to find, um, you know, some references to some great trios in Hollywood and stuff like that. I'm gonna go. Ooh, you could do some kind of a play on the Rat Pack. That'd that was cool. the first one that came to mind. The first, uh, the first thing that came to mind for me was the A list. Yeah, that that was too. But I would, I'd like to get in there with something. I, I really enjoy when they come out with a name, especially when they rename a superstar. And you see all these fans like, oh, what the fuck is that? That's terrible. It's like, well, did you do any time to actually research? Because it actually means something to the superstar. They actually put some time into coming up with it. 
unless it's the bar. And I like the bar gimmick. Just please, God, quit having Cesaro with his mouth guard. We are the bar! Sounds terrible. Oh, my God. Poor Cesaro. Oh, man. So, sticking with the Kurt Angle theme here, let's let's talk a little bit about Elias and Jason Jordan. And yeah, I was going to use I was going to use the transition of sounds terrible, <laughs> but all right, let's go with this. <laughs> Elias and Jason Jordan. Number one, Elias is fucking over. That damn guy, he got himself over. I can't believe it. After seeing him right. in NXT, I just can't believe it. Right off, right off to my first note about this. About this match here. And we spoke about it over the weekend with, with our friend Big Ray from over at OneWrestling.com. And all of us agreed, and, and we just really hammered home the point that everything that's missing today is about character. And in this example with Elias, man, he has got tons of it, and he is taking off with it. What's Elias's finishing move? Uh, I'm going to have to plead the fifth. I don't know, guitar shot? Exactly. It doesn't fucking matter what his finishing move is. He's over. And it ain't because of his in-ring work. The fact that he looks like Macho Man probably helps. Or uh, like an older Seth Rollins. You know what everybody always says? Seth Rollins' dad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd ever heard that, but that's fantastic. Oh, I think I, and actually, isn't he, he's actually younger than Seth Rollins, but he looks like (laughs) Seth Rollins' dad. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to try to recover from that one. That's pretty funny. Uh, Okay, we got the the drift away, a rolling cutter. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Or it also can be used as a swinging fisherman neckbreaker. Unfortunately, Elias was not the story of the night. But I think we're all ready to walk with Elias. He's another one that's just getting cheered because he's so fucking good, even though he's a heel. Yeah, so that's, you know, it has me questioning here. But the continuing this, this feud between these two, is this doing Jason Jordan any favors at all? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's, it's the same argument that you could have made with the Roman and Braun Strowman thing. Like, why is Braun Strowman a babyface? Because he was positioned against Roman Reigns. If Braun Strowman would have done what he did to anybody else on the roster, he would be the biggest heel in the company right now. But because it was Roman Reigns, everybody cheered him. So now, Braun's a babyface. Well, I think it also has to do with, you know, that when it comes to Jordan, they have booked him so so poorly, like, like a sophomore ass clown, that the fans are... You know, they're, they're just not turning on him. They're just tuning out. Well, later we get the segment backstage with Jordan and Angle. Um, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, they always have a, oh, what the hell's the, a correspondent in the crowd that Wade interviews later on. And he said when that vignette aired inside the building, the entire place booed Jason Jordan. When Angle added him to Team Raw. I can imagine that. I could absolutely imagine that. It seemed like it was kind of cut from the feed, though. Uh, I was going to say, do you, do you think they, that they foresaw that coming, and that's why we got a backstage segment with that? That's very, very possible. I mean, I think the important thing to take out of that segment, 
aside from Jordan being added to the team, is Kurt saying, I can trust you, which in the wrestling world means you're going to fuck me over. Yep. This is this is the Jordan heel turn, right? That's like day one of wrestling school, isn't it? You open the book and it says, the person you trust will eventually stab you in the back. Yep. If somebody trusts somebody, they're going to get fucked over. And if a babyface promises something, it's going to happen. Those are like wrestling school 101. Man, my, my only problem with that now is I once thought that Jordan turning and going against Angle would be a, a tremendous rub. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a, a 180 here. You know, I, right now, I think it does much more to harm Kurt than help Jordan in any way. Well, it depends on how high you are on Jason Jordan. Because I'm sure Vince is looking at him and seeing a young rock. You know what? That's perfect what you just said because what's going to come out of my mouth now, which just popped in my head, I'm envisioning die, Jordan, die chance. Yep. Which is great. As long as he has the chops to come out and heal on the crowd when he finally turns. And I don't know if he's got those chops. You he's know, got him in the heard, ring. He's great in the ring. But you I always just, heard that about Rocky, that even before they knew he had that personality, and I've never heard anyone speak to Jordan. He just, nothing about him has ever way. been personable. We'll find out. What about the consequence for Kurt Angle here? I mean, if, if Jason Jordan's going to fuck him over... The logical thing to think would be that Team SmackDown wins that match then. Stephanie, though, says that she wants pure annihilation of SmackDown. So where does this leave Kurt? I actually am still going to go back. I, I kind of got caught up in my thought here. Remember before this... Really all started that somehow they would flip Kurt over to SmackDown. But now that you've got this serious standoff between him and Shane, but him and Shane have really never come to blows yet. So there could be working over everyone here with something. Well, not in this decade. Yeah, I mean, here in this in this storyline, current storyline. I mean, do, do you think that, I mean, we know that Vince always, oh, well, nobody remembers that. I think people remember the Kurt Angle and Shane McMahon feud. Right. That whole plate glass spot's kind of hard to get out of your brain. I'm just I'm I'm uh, I'm actually just not completely sold on you know this pitch that that Jordan's going to turn. What if Angle turns? Heel authority figure. I think that's so played out, and I still want to. I actually, you know, one good thing that. that through this entire program where they've, they've kind of missed their direction or they weren't hitting the mark in certain ways, they have kept you guessing. And the interest has been there, okay, where are they going to go with this thing? I'm not even so sure that Jordan makes it to Survivor Series as a member of this team. Who would you replace him with? I mean, you, you look at this big announcement that came out today with John Cena joining that SmackDown team. How fucking stupid does that make Kurt Angle look? Oh. You could have had John Cena, but you put your son on the team. 
You think Stephanie McMahon's going to be happy with that? Oh yeah, put that one in let, your back. Let your company's letting your company's free agent get away. You go with nepotism over the franchise. Well, I guess, and there's you know, what uh, the other issue here? I understand you don't want him on your team because you don't know if you can really trust what he's going to do here. But Kane has beaten up everyone but one person on your team. <laughs> Wouldn't be reaching out some way. Hey man, maybe I could use the the hottest monster in the company right now. If I'm Samoa Joe, I'm looking over my shoulder for the big red monster. I know you run into the issue with Braun and Kane, but if I got to have one of those two right now, logically speaking, I'm looking over at Kane pretty hard because he's he's been kicking some serious ass. Hey man, personal issues amongst you—that's that's just pettiness when it comes to Team Red. We'll get more to that in a second. Or, hey, make the offer. Let's talk you about Asuka for a second. One, one or both of you guys survive? Okay, I'll save that. <laughs> Let's talk about Asuka for a second. So she had another match against another jobber. No return of page on this show. Kind of, I thought if, if they were going to bring her back before the Rumble, this was the show they were going to do it at. Before the Rumble or before Survivor Series? Before the Rumble. Oh, with Paige? I think, I think we get her back next week. That would make absolutely no fucking sense. None. You were just in the fucking UK. If, if Paige is going to get a pop, she's going to get it in the UK. Where are they at next week? Uh, Atlanta. She ain't going to get the pop in Atlanta that she would have gotten in the UK. Well, it might have been with, I guess you could have flown her in that day, kept her hidden somehow. Uh, or there might have been some kind of trample issue. You know, so there could have been some circumstances that we're not aware about that, could, that prevented her from being there. I don't expect her until the Rumble now. I expect her as a surprise entrant in the Women's Royal Rumble. So how'd you feel about this Asuka squash this week? Meh. It was another Asuka squash, I guess. See, I I kind of enjoyed the one last week. I thought the girl she was working was a much better talent. And I really, that match, she seemed to slow it down a little bit. And you could really feel how vicious her attacks were. And then she would take that time. She showed a little bit of her charisma. She got some time after the match to stand in the ring and give you those little poses and her cute little smile. Everything this week in this match seemed so rushed to me. Yeah, it was very rushed. And I, and I felt like the story of this match was, I'm also cocky. Yeah. It felt like that was the story of the match. It, it, it felt like you. it was the Asuka that you'd been watching for 500 days in NXT who had beaten everybody versus a jobber. Right. It was almost like she was already tired of being here or something like that. Yep. Just having fun with it. I'm going to go kick the shit out of this girl, collect a paycheck, go home. And I would have rather had something like last week because she still, had, she still needs to get that connection with, you know, with this red brand audience. I didn't even want her to have a match this week. I probably would have went that. I would have went that route as well. And I know what you're getting into. Yeah, the Alicia Fox thing. Alicia Fox just shows up. This is your captain speaking. And names Asuka to Team Raw. I talk about a missed opportunity. And they completely missed the mark here. This completely. was the only thing on the show that just baffled me. Yeah, you know, really, we've been saying this. How cool would it have been to see Sexy Foxy and Asuka actually 
interacting backstage and discussing this opportunity. I mean, they have such drastic you know, difference in personality that they're just trying to figure one out. It would have been gold. The biggest problem with the WWE main roster right now, and I firmly believe this, is overexposure. People having matches every freaking week. This You could have kept Asuka basically off of TV for a month just with exchanges backstage between Alicia Fox trying to recruit Asuka. And you could have done this for four weeks. And, you know, the first time Fox approaches her and Asuka just laughs at her and walks away. And Fox figures out, well, she's Japanese. Maybe she doesn't speak English. So then Fox goes and learns Japanese so she can pitch it to Asuka in Japanese. And Asuka I, laughs I, I, I and walks with, away. But the way Fox is, I would make a lot of that, take the comic you know, aspect into it, like that Fox actually has no idea, like, what the hell is wrong with her? What? Yeah, like just she's not play getting what the community like she doesn't get the communication barrier. Just play it up. Until and they, finally and they both think they're they both think they're crazy. Until finally, at the end of the damn thing, all Asuka has to say is raw, smackdown, nobody's ready for Asuka. And turn around and leave. And leave Alicia Fox going, So is that a yes or no? And then just have Asuka show up at the team. So instead they go this route where we just You get to a 15 fucking robot. seconds and you could have had four weeks worth of TV. Instead of dragging it out and trying to come up with some intriguing programming here. 15 we get a big seconds. Old, we, get, no, we get a big old heaping helping of lowest common denominator booking. I'm just baffled by this, man. How do you drop the ball like that? Oh, 26 writers and none of them thought of doing a story of Alicia Fox pursuing Asuka to join the team? Oh, baffling. Just baffling. So let's continue with the women's division and Team Red. Later we get Jersey Mike's girl Sasha Banks being named to Team Raw, and no Bailey. Is this the beginning of Bailey and Sasha? Is that where you see this going? You know, I really hadn't given that direction much thought. And I know we had talked about previous weeks that, you know, if you really look at Banks' character, why the hell would she want anything to do with these two? There's a huge issue between the two sides that she just flat out doesn't like them. I just kind of see, all right, Sasha, you know, you've done this to me a couple times. I want you. And I really didn't pick, I, at the time, and I guess since then, I really haven't even thought about it. I wasn't concerned, concerning myself with anything between Sasha and Bailey. I was really just getting a kick out of, like, poor little Bailey's going to be the left out, the one that didn't get picked, the, the fat kid in dodgeball. Well, last year, Team Raw won because of Bailey. This year, she's going to get left off the team. Like, I, if I didn't know better, I would feel like this is leading to a Bailey heel turn. Does that work on any level? Uh, I'm still not down to that. I know people pitch it in certain ways, but I'm still not down. I, there's so much still there with that Bailey character that there's still plenty of time to reinvent that. 
Of course, I was against the Sami Zayn heel turn, and that's been great. So, maybe. Now, see, the difference is I don't think there's a lot going forward with Sami, where I think that you still can build a great, make her one of your focal points in your division with Bailey. Anything else that you want to say about the women's division? Because I got nothing else on on the run sheet here for well, a while. Well, that, that was kind of where I thought Paige was expecting her debut next week or her return next week. So who do we got on Team Red? Team Red is going to be Fox. Here's what we got here. You got, I'll go down their their roster here. So you got Bliss is already occupied in the uh, champion versus champion. Right. You got Foxy is your captain. Asuka. Um, Also on there you have Naya and Sasha. So So there's one spot open. Actively listed. You have Bailey, Dana, Mickey James, and Paige. God, I, I don't. Bailey I don't has know. To be in that match. I, I don't. I don't know in what world or scenario you come up with to justify Mickey James and Dana taking a spot on your team right now. Triple threat next week. Winner goes. Well, yeah, of course, that's probably the way they'll fucking book it, but that's terrible. Come lowest on. Lowest common denominator booking, my <laughs> friend. Lowest common denominator. Now, you could get into something maybe. Now. I could see them maybe going something next week where Bailey has to earn her way. Maybe build some heat with Bailey has to earn her way by beating Sasha, but Sasha's spot's on the line. Hmm. Yeah, but then you're still left with the spot open. I was just trying to think of something that might be intriguing to some of the the Jersey Mike fans out there, those types. Man, I'm still just set that this is going to end up being Paige. Or, hey, you know, that we were fans of, I didn't want to see either of these two on the team, or we didn't want to see either of these two on the team. Possibly an NXT call-up with our two little uh, mean girls down there. Royce and Kay. You I think that would have been great. Iconic. It's time for them to be on the main roster. That that act is ready to to breathe some life into the women's division. Let's move on to Samoa Joe, just murdering people. <laughs> I I loved him coming out during Titus's entrance and just destroying him. Uh, here's what I'm, I mean, what what was the point of this though? The point of it was I don't care if you're as powerful as Titus O'Neil. Or if you're as agile as Apollo Crews, I will put you down. That was the point. Okay, I get that. I get that point. But then I'm going to reference a point made by by Ben Hamin today on their SmackDown show with uh, him and Joe Jan. You have him come out and waste two physical specimens in Titus and Apollo, and now we're to believe that. He does this in 40 seconds, 45 seconds, and then he can't put away Balor by himself? After the Balor wars, by himself? After the wars that you have had between Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, there's no way you could do that. Well, here's, I, I just, I, I can understand your, your point there, but I, don't, I didn't see the point in, you didn't need to waste Titus and Apollo like this. You could have left, just left them out of sight, out of mind. To me, this was just a way of them saying, we need to reestablish Balor here because we spent the last two weeks having Kane fucking killing. Yeah, what happened to Demon versus Demon? Where did that fucking story go? Just, poof. 
up out of nowhere, gone. Well, yeah, because then, uh, you know, after TLC, everyone thought they were going in Braun Kane direction. Yeah, and now we're back to that. Yeah. So we just had Kane mindlessly murder Finn Balor two weeks in a row for no apparent reason. Is uh, that pretty much where you're at? I, I guess so. I guess maybe Vince got a hair up his ass or something or just forgot what the hell he was doing the last two weeks. And Yeah, I, th- that one just – I thought that was strange. I mean, it's fine. I, I would rather have Balor and Joe because we've seen the program, we know it's a great match, and we know that they hate each other. I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, I, even before I – but every, even before I heard the link to then he struggles with Finn, immediately I was like, man, why – you know, Titus – and Apollo, they got something good going there. Why waste them like this? Just leave them alone right now. They've got something good going there? Are you I think shitting they're, they're all right. Yeah, they got a good low-card act going there. I'll entertain when they come out there. They got, they're got good. It's a good filler spot. They come out to put some people over. You just don't need to waste them like that. You, you need to keep them believable if they're going to do something. I would rather be Kurt Hawkins than Apollo Crews or Titus O'Neil. At least Kurt Hawkins has a character that's going somewhere. Granted, it's down. I mean, I, I wish that they would uh, develop more with this Titus brand. Let him build it, build it into one of his old traditional family style management groups. I wish they'd develop more with Kurt Hawkins' losing streak. Why isn't he on TV? Every hey, week? hold on. I'm skipping ahead just a little bit, not to ruin anything, though, but we did have a Kurt Hawkins sighting. Did you pick up on him? No, I guess I missed him. Yeah, during. Uh, or was he getting the- beat up backstage or. Or, no, or, no, or, no, or getting was, ready uh, to come out for he was he was under rushing siege. to ringside under siege too. Yeah, he was out there. He was rushing right in. I did, he was one of the first ones, and probably what I popped the most for during that segment was holy shit, it's Kurt Hawkins. I pop more for Kurt Hawkins than I do for Apollo Cruz every time. Every well, time. I pop I pop more for him than I that entire segment that we're going to discuss here shortly, but. What did you think of the Balor and Joe match? Uh, it was a nice exchange. It just it wasn't anything like I'd seen from them before. Well, it's the first time they faced each other on the main roster, right? Yeah, and, it, and then once you know, once you see where it plays out to, you know, it's just kind of expected. That's what they wanted to do. Well, and that's what I want to get to here is what it plays out to. Why would Kurt Angle come out and put both Finn and Joe on Team Raw when they're more concerned with beating each other up than winning the match, getting back in the ring, and then even after the announcement, they still can't keep their hands off of each other? Why would you put two guys who can't stand each other on the same team because that aggressive style, that's what you need? No, you need cohesiveness inside of your team, not two guys who can't fucking stand each other. I don't even know why you put Finn on the team anyway, because, you know, for last, except for barely getting over on a guy that spent 18 and a half hours on a flight, he's been getting his ass beat. Yeah, it's just the logic in the booking just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it's just... Right. And we both understand, you know, he gets the biggest pop. The fans want to see him there. But come up with, you know, more plausible reasoning behind your booking. I love Finn Balor. It's just, he's been booked terribly 
ever since that match with AJ. And I mean, the, the match with Joe was fine. It was Joe versus Finn. We've seen it several times in NXT. I did like that they at least referenced that it happened in NXT and that the these two have quite the history between each other. I am uh, I am so glad that you're my tag team partner on this show and, and not one of your typical fanboys that would sit there and try to defend because, you know, it makes sense to you. Logically, I mean, what's the reasoning here? Just baffling. I mean, I, I love Balor and I love Joe. I don't like him on the same team. That just seems stupid. And it makes Kurt Angle look stupid. I mean, when you it's look like- at Team SmackDown right now and you look at Team Raw, Team Raw has Braun. They should win. Team SmackDown's a way better team. Well, and you got all SmackDown is compiled of, which stood out to me about this thing is you look at the, the graphic with everyone, you got all babies except for Joe. And Joe gets one of the bigger pops because he's Joe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and I, I do like how SmackDown went about selecting their team it was about earnings earning the position yep instead of just some random selection yeah whereas kurt angle has just put together this hodgepodge of people that don't like each other well because you yeah that feeling of he's panicking just doesn't seem to make any sense just keep like like we're just giving stephanie ammunition here you know i'm not sure where this is going what if it's all that that Cena turns on the blue brand and becomes just Mr. Red? <laughs> it's so sad that I could see it happening. <clears throat> so let's go on to Braun versus Miz. I don't really have too much to say about the match itself other than the Miz is a magnificent bastard. I was I was curious how many other ways he was going to try to figure out how to get away from Braun Strowman. That's what he exactly needs to be doing there. And then using, you know, the Mistarage, his shields on the outside. It was great. I loved, I loved when Braun got his hands on uh, on Axel. Yeah. He's trying to play off the, the neck injury. Braun don't give a shit about that. Oh, I thought it was great. The interaction between them was perfect. I, I love Miz trying to run away from Braun. That I was just popping through the whole match. Just popping through the whole match. Now, I know you had a, a bit of an issue of where this was placed on the show. Well, I mean, obviously, now we know in hindsight, because of the Under Siege 2.0 tease, why that closed the show. But I felt like this should have been the main event on the show. Now, see, I even with... What we know happened with the Under Siege 2 coming in or the New Day making an appearance, I still would have had this close. Kane and Braun should have closed the show. This would have been a great close here. And then take that tag match, move it earlier in the night, and then to me, I would have been so much more entertained by Ambrose and Rollins just beyond pissed and on the hunt. You know, let... Backstage vignettes with the shield. Yeah. Or hey, they're hunting. They're going through the arena. They're looking. Yeah. We're looking for these motherfuckers. Maybe, you know, they're, they're out in the parking lot. They're going out. You know, they're, maybe they're out in the street stopping cars. And, pulling, it, and pull, it ends. Motherfuckers out. It ends with New Day 
jumping in a limo and taking off, getting away. See, I would have loved, uh, instead of how we got the announcement about the return of Roman, I would have loved these guys teasing things about Roman during the show, and then maybe later in the show when you end this segment, you you just give a hint, and then this this is how they pick it up. That damn conspicuous cameraman just happens to catch them on a phone booking not one, but two, not, not two, but three, three tickets for Charlotte for next Tuesday night. Yeah, that would have been smart. That would have been smart. Like maybe you have Ambrose on the phone saying, yeah, yo, we need two, blah, blah, blah. We don't care if it's first class. We'll, we'll sit in the cargo, and then you have Seth stop him and be like, no, 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 no. We need three. There's your ultimate teaser. Well, and then the other thing is, New Day comes out and they scream, fake punt. You could have had Kurt. You could have had Shield. You could have had people backstage all night. They said, they said this was a fake punt. Are they still here? Are we going to get attacked later in the show? Is there anybody else here with them? But instead, you do it at the end of the show, and that's it. And what the hell happened to this maximum security that's been at all the other shows since the uh, the first attack? Well, they're in the UK, so, you know, security sucks. That's a shot at you, MacGyver. Yeah. They couldn't keep them out with their billy clubs? I, sh- I feel like you should have went off the air with the monster versus monster brawl. It just seems like it would have made so much more sense. Would it work for me? Makes sense to me. I, I would have enjoyed it much more. I love my old school wrestling with my big freaking monster-sized meatheads just beating the shit out of each other. What happened to the monster-sized meatheads? Are they all playing football now just because the money's so much better? I'm not entirely sure. I mean, maybe, are people just evolving backwards? Or are we getting smaller? I don't know, man, because it's like when you look at the NXT roster... There's a lot of small guys down there. And then there's well, Lars you, Sullivan, but I mean You said this you said this weekend on one of the broadcasts. I mean most of NXT could be two oh five. Yeah. What happened to the big monsters? And it's like the only time that the big monsters do show up, they're football players who got hurt and now they're wrestling. Like what happened? I you know, I think that, that was a lot. That was always how it kind of was. Guys go in a different direction, and all oh, that's not working out. So now let's let's go get in the wrestling business. I mean, you know, guys like Aaron Judge should be professional wrestlers, not right fielders for the New York Yankees. Guys like six eight two seventy five. Man, there's such there's so many more opportunities out there as well. Speaking of missed opportunities, this this one just. I know it's going to be another missed opportunity, but I got to comment on it. So you have Dean and Seth backstage with Dean's wife, Renee Young, and they do the shield bump, right? If you're Roman Reigns and you're sitting at home, it started off they replaced you with Kurt Angle. Then they replaced you with the hated Triple H. 
Now you've been replaced by Dean's wife inside of the shield. This is like chance 901 for the Roman heel turn. But it ain't going to happen, is it? I'd say, man, I think you're just really fishing for, for that heel turn. I would love to see him turn on Dean and Seth at Survivor Series against the New Day. And then have Roman come out on Raw and be like, you know what? Fuck you guys. I get sick and you replace me with Kurt Angle? And that ain't bad enough. I understood that one. But then you go around and you replace me with Triple H? Really? Mr. Kingslayer? How'd that work out for you? And then Dean replaces me with his old lady. You know what? I've had it with you guys. Fuck you guys. And you know what? Fuck you people that cheer those guys. And just go full (laughs) bore heel. I'm still just trying to figure out the booking strategy with having the Shield versus New Day and then how at the end of the night they're still going to make this thing all about the Roman agenda and moving him forward somehow in that main event where he still has to come out and save the day. Could you imagine an action movie with three SWAT guys raiding a unicorn barn? Hmm. What would that be like? Hmm. I will ponder that. May have to may have to whip something up for that one. So let's move on to Enzo and Pete fucking Dunn. Well, I know in, in real in real time when this happened, well, I guess not real time, in television real time when this happened, I mean, I was blowing blowing your phone up instantly when right when I heard his music. And then we get angle and I was like, what the fuck? I mean, did we really need a formal introduction here? Here's the thing that baffles me, okay? It, they obviously botched the Pete Dunn entrance, right? Mm-hmm. But the show was taped. Why in the fuck wasn't that edited out of the show? It was a taped fucking show. You can edit the show. What are you doing? That made no sense to me. I would say one that it probably just wasn't a, in their eyes not a an important enough happening. The fact so that you had to have Kurt Angle, an American gold medalist, come out and introduce to the UK your UK champion is fucking stupid. That oh, place yeah, I mean, popped I can, I can, immediately when that music hit. I can understand if this show's taking place in the middle of fucking nowhere, Iowa. But you were talking about a hometown boy here. Absolutely. It's Pete fucking Dunn. He is the UK champion. And you're assuming that the UK crowd doesn't even know who the UK champion is. At its very core, you have a problem there. I think they're at the point with that crowd over there. He didn't, even if he had not been introduced to any of the WWE audience, he was going to get a pop. Absolutely. Absolutely. He comes out and kills Enzo in three minutes. Do you like this being a three-minute match? I mean, that that seems pretty believable. That Pete Dunne can destroy the 205 Live Champion in three minutes. Yeah, I'll take that. And you give Enzo a little, 
you know, fire to go with forward. You know, he did get that little bit of that distraction. He took his eye off the prize for that moment. I know, to me, this was great to see for, for that big pop, that initial excitement. And then from there on, it, it really didn't do that much for me. Well, and now this is what I'm not understanding at all. So Pete Dunn's not going to be on Raw. This is not going to be a regular thing from the way that it seems anyway. Right. Uh, now we find out that at TakeOver Houston, Pete Dunn is going to defend the UK title against Johnny Gargano, which will be an amazing fucking match. Firmly believe that. Now that you heard that... That's and it's not even going to be on the goddamn show! I was going to say that. They're not even, is it going to be taped to the air or is it I have no fucking match? idea why do you announce a match like that that you know people are gonna freak the fuck out about and then in another press release you say but it's not gonna be on takeover why the fuck isn't that match gonna be on takeover give me some logical explanation why that match is not on takeover let's see here Fucking stupid, man. Yeah, they got it. It's, you know, at least they don't. Have, did they have a pre-show match with these takeovers? I can't remember. I watch all the takeovers. I just can't remember. I don't. I don't remember any pre-show matches. Um, okay. I know, here's, well, here's now here's what my when this, I went to take over Chicago. Okay. They taped the next week's episode of NXT right. before takeover here's my here's i know they do tapings around it um they have this listed as a dark match four matches are actually advertised for the takeover event well how long do you think that war games match is gonna be well who cares this is on your network right now, does this possibly go back? Are they still reporting disappointing ticket sales for this event? I have no idea. I don't know if TakeOver Houston is sold out or not. I know that at one point they were seriously struggling with ticket sales, so this could be the reasoning to keep this to keep this from the air. Hmm. you got to buy a ticket if you want to see this bad boy. Pete fucking Dunn sells tickets, son. Like I have a reference number two. That could be your logic there, but... If that's not, or maybe it's a big surprise, right before the show, you know, they hit that ticket mark. It's our network. We're going to run long. We're adding this to the main card. You wanted it. You've demanded it. We listen to our fans. We listen to the universe. We're coming through for you. I would not be surprised at all to see this advertised and then move to the main card. That would not surprise me at all. Might just be one of those old marketing tricks, though. They're trying to... They're using this to boost in-house sales, and then when they get to that measuring mark that they're, they're satisfied with, then they turn it into a, a good PR spin, and they, they come out looking like gold because, you know, everyone out there thinks, oh, they do listen to us. They are taking care of us. One more segment that I wanted to talk about on Raw, and that's obviously the Shield Brothers. When did they start calling them the Shield Brothers? I thought that was weird. No, I didn't even pick up on that. And the bar. Maybe because... Oh, I don't, I don't... I have no idea why. 
Lucha Brothers. That's the only thing I can think of. So, Sheamus and Cesaro, your new tag team champions. Thought it was a pretty pretty good match, actually. Yeah, these guys mix it up really well together. And then, Under Siege 2, The New Day Invades. What did you think of the this whole segment? You know, immediately, I went right to kind of your thought. I, I wasn't... I wasn't interested so much in, oh, it's the New Day. Okay. Uh, you know, what they're doing here, what, what are they going to set up? And I guess going in, I knew the spoiler, which maybe kind of ruined it, that the Shield had lost their, their titles. So it's like, okay, it's pretty obvious to what they're setting up here. The New Day's got three. The Shield have three. And my interest wasn't, ooh, this is going to be good. My interest was, okay, why are they doing this? Special note to WWE, when it comes to phrasing, when you send out an alert like that, you have to put spoiler alert first. You can't say, new champions crowned at Raw, spoiler alert. No, it's spoiler alert, new champions crowned at Raw. You know, for them leaking that, I I thought that that was... A pretty smart move on their part for leaking things over the last couple of days. Trying to pop that rating, man. Trying to pop that rating. Well, do you have raw numbers yet, or the raw numbers were flat? Two point nine six last week. Two point nine or two point nine five last week. Two point nine six this week. Flat. Now, I know we've we've got a couple of chances to. Uh, well, we're just gonna step away with some breaks. Hopefully, we'll be able to pick up some SmackDown numbers. But I, that's the one that I'm curious about. Wouldn't you but call? It, wouldn't you call a flat rating? A win, though, with it being a tape show? You know, I, yes, yes, I would. Because I'll tell you, a lot of, uh, I missed quite a bit of Raw and had to go back and catch up with it. Because with what I read, nothing there really interests me. And with it being taped, I just, I went out and did something else. I, I went out to have dinner instead of ordering in or making something here at home. And all in all, as far as an episode of Raw goes, I thought this was a pretty good episode. It helps when you put Miz in, like, you know, six segments throughout the show. So we're going back to, is New Day versus S.H.I.E.L.D., the potential of that going down, is, is that doing anything for you? No. Because I can't buy the New Day as a serious threat to the S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, you mean to tell me that there's one evil that's so bad. One group that's so dominant that it's going to bring the shield back together to take them out. And it's a bunch of guys running around in blue and purple and green tights selling fucking popsicles and singing about unicorns and cereal and shaking their booty. You know, the initial thought, and believe me, this is not an an attack against any of the talent because they're all tremendous athletes, in-ring performers. I love the New Day, but they're not the badasses that the Shield requires to take out. And I would actually go as far as to say I probably actually enjoy the New Day's work all around more than I do the Shields. But the way that they have been built and the way their careers have moved, I mean, this is is just as like if if the NWO was going to take on the BWO. 
just makes no sense to me. Like, Samoa Joe and the Authors of Pain, I could get behind that. Hell, British what, what? Strong Style, I could get behind that. Undisputed what? Era, I could get behind that. Sanity, so cool. When I posed, when I posed this question in some in some chats online, I see, you know, like someone convinced me why I I want to be wrong here. Why why should I be? If I'm looking from a story point of view, why should I be in, more invested here? I, I just have trouble buying into it, you know. And they keep bringing up, well, they're the longest reigning tag team champs. Well, I went back and looked at that. When they were on their run, they were beating up teams. Like your your baby Usos, uh, throw together teams, the primetime players, the club who has not who has not been a force in their run in WWE. Talk about a missed opportunity. And if you go look at and why and even, all right, so while New Day's doing all this, the Shield had already ascended to main event. They were already all world champions during this run. But then you even go further back and look at the Shield's run is when they were that strong unit. They were beating up the top names in the company, in the business. They were taking out The Undertaker, Kane, Randy Orton, John Cena, the, the Wyatt family. Evolution. Yeah, they, they beat Evolution. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about the biggest names in the industry. They took out Evolution. Who's the biggest team that, that the New Day beat? I couldn't even tell you. I mean, their feuds were with the primetime players. They, they were up against some great talents. Uh, you know, they had a, a, a good run there against Cesaro and Kid. but you're going to tell me those names stack up to the ones that the Shield dominated? Dirty bastards are still ducking Breezango. How many times are you going to get a Breeze drop in a, in a show? As many we as have I like can. A, we should have like Tyler Breeze. His birthday episode, we should, you should see if you can get like 100 Breeze drops. It'd be like uh, Super Troopers with the meow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Uh, Anything else that you want to talk about on Monday Night Raw? Um, no, I think that brings everything to a close. You know, it, there were some things on the show. I, I kind of just took it all in, and I was waiting to see how things would play out the next night. Uh, actually, we're going to jump on over to the blue brand here. Actually, I got one more thing I did want to say about Raw, because I've been railing on the guy for weeks commentary was good last night and booker t was on his game maybe booker t just can't stay up until you know 11 o'clock eastern time we should only keep him around for the uk shows so he doesn't you know get sleepy and want a nap because he was on it this week I, I didn't pay too much attention to it but i have heard from multiple outlets individuals complimenting their complimenting their efforts last night so that's it for the red brand. We're going to take a little break. We'll come back and talk some blue brand. Because, you know, there was some kind of big news on the blue show this week. Stick around. We'll be right back. Every direction rubbing off 
So we're back to talk Blue Brand. Whew, feeling refreshed, ready to dive on into the Blue Brand here. We were just talking. There's not really a whole lot to talk about on SmackDown because when you consider the format of the show, Sami Zayn versus Kofi Kingston and AJ versus Gender, if you combine the length of those two matches, that was half your show. So while it was a very newsworthy show, there's not necessarily a whole lot to talk about. Well, good. We can uh, we can be short-winded here, but let's run it down, bro. Well, the show starts off, and I love this, with the promo from AJ Styles and then a promo from Jinder Mahal, and then the open for the show. Really like that touch. Was that anything that you took note of right off the top of the show? I, I did like that, and... This is actually something that that they had played with in the past. Uh, it was before the brand split, but then when they were trying to boost some ratings over there, they would have the talents that were going to be involved in something big that night, cutting a promo or earlier in the day, maybe they're arriving at the arena, you know, maybe they're in the gym, they're doing something else, and they'd cut a real quick promo on that. You know, I, I kind of just closed my eyes and just picture like Randy walking from his car hyping up a match against Del Rio and vice versa, something along those lines. It just gave you a, like a, a different feel, a different vibe to the show. You know, it had someone right there in your face to get the thing going. It got you a little more excited for for what you're about to, to sit through. It immediately felt like a big show. Immediately. Then about halfway through the show, you get another Jinder Mahal promo. But this promo felt like it was geared more towards Brock Lesnar. Monday on Raw, you got this big video package 
about Jinder and Brock. And when I saw that video package, I honestly thought there was no way AJ was taking this title. I mean, because they put some time into producing that video package. So it just seemed like this was something to fill time for a week. But yeah, yeah, you're you just you're exactly right there. You know, they have put a lot into really hyping up that you got these these two behemoth champions that are ready to just collide head on at Survivor Series, one of your big four, the brand war. I mean, they're, they're going to go at it. So much build here, you almost thought, man, there's no way they're going to they're going to let AJ go over here. You know, it was more of you know, how are they? It was more you're thinking, well, how are they going to do this with, with saving face for AJ? Yeah, it was more so, in my mind's eye, how are we going to protect AJ in this damn thing? That was right. really my thought going into it. Then, right before the main event, you get another AJ promo. And it was like, holy shit, what is going on here? Then the main event hits. Number one, I hate it when the champion enters the goddamn ring first. God, I hate that. What did you think of AJ versus Jinder Mahal? The phenomenal one was the phenomenal one. You know, he, you could tell he was carrying the workload. He's going to make anyone look good out there. And, and that's what we got here. And this was not to say that he did it all on his own because you're never out there dancing by yourself. You know, on the other side, this was probably the best match that, that we've seen uh, Jinder involved in. I thought this was absolutely the best match that Jinder Mahal has had. Absolutely. Like, not even a question. Uh, and, and I think, you know, that they played the entire role. You, you had the Stooges on the outside. You know that they're there to take their spots. They worked in well. But you usually see there where, you know, those those guys are going to help that heel champ get over. And AJ was, you know, managed to, to separate himself from them. One of my favorite shots of the night was when AJ chased down the one Singh brother and just straight up fucking body tackled him. At he, got him out of, he got him out of the picture, man. And I love yeah. Corey saying, like a lion taking down a gazelle. And that's very much what it felt like. AJ was just like, you know what? I have had it with your shit. Like the dad that's just been pushed too far. I've had it with you. Don't you run away from me. I will fucking tackle you right now. Loved it. Then he jumps up on the table, takes out the other Singh brother. Climbs back in. Jinder hits the Coloss. And Saxton has the line of the night. Not again. At this point, Loved I think it. that's, you know, it, you know, it's, you were praising uh, the work from the Raw commentary team. SmackDown held their own for this show as well. And that line right there, it kind of just sums up what everyone's thinking as they're watching this. Yeah, just, oh, oh man. Not again. And then we just get that oh-so-subtle. The foot on the rope. The foot on the rope. And from that moment on, that crowd was livid. Haven't heard a crowd like that in a while from a WWE show. Those guys were into it. And then with the, uh, as soon as he got that three, I mean, they went from a 10 to a, a 50. 
Yeah, it was insane. The we were talking about it a little bit last night. And the only thing I could compare it to was Money in the Bank 2011 when Punk won the title in Chicago and left. That it was that kind of crowd reaction. And AJ looked visibly emotional about it. Like I I think he expected, yeah, we're going to get a pop out of this. I don't think he expected that. We know it's a moment for AJ to put another feather in his cap. They made the the point they made the point of letting us know about this and I never really considered it. It's the first time that the WWE Championship has switched hands outside of North America. That's a crazy statistic to me. Thinking of all the trips to the UK over the course of the years, that's a crazy statistic to me. And, and they've only, and they've only done it here in North America. I mean, what a what a great honor to have bestowed upon you to be the first guy to have that distinction. He made Jinder look great, man. The 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 coloss from Jinder onto AJ. There was just something about the way AJ took it. That looked like one of the most vicious moves that you've ever seen in your life. Well, that's AJ. You know, he's, he's gonna, he can do it with anybody. And he elevated Jinder here. And, you know, going forward, do you, do you feel like maybe this loss that, that Jinder loses some heat? Or is this something that he can really – he can feed off of now? Um, well – Maybe not totally bad heat, something he can really feed off of, especially with with that uh, India tour looming here in a month. Exactly a, a month away. Yeah, I don't know what happens here with gender. I'm really not sure. And now especially with this news of Kevin Owens. Because if you didn't know, gender was scheduled to face Kevin Owens for the title in India. I don't think that they're going to hot shot the title because I've heard some people speculate that sometime between now and India, AJ drops the title to Owens. Gender is positioned as the baby face going into India. Gender takes the title in India. So, I mean, you're talking about three title changes in a month. Yeah. I I don't think there's any hot shot. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Owens is going to be part of the equation. You set it up in any in any manner, any manner you set it up here, Dinner goes in to India, the unsung hero coming home to claim gold in front of, you know, his homeland and his brothers. They're in India. Whoever's holding that title can go in there and play that heel role. I refuse to believe that the people of India are going to boo AJ Styles and cheer Jinder Mahal. Well, what's your logic there? Well, I mean, what are you basing this on? Do you watch the show? Jinder Mahal is a prick. AJ Styles is the best in the world and the biggest baby face on the fucking show. I cannot believe that their country loyalty is going to reign over. It's still much greater. They still have so much more loyalty than, than we see here in the United States for their country and their homeland. And he is there representing them. I it's just don't of, buy it, man. I it just hasn't don't been, buy it. No one else has been there and done that for them. And they're going to start hamming it up over there on all their 
their PR, that they're coming over there, that he is this grand hero, that he has been over here. You know, they, they booed him. That what You've seen them booing him over here? That's because they didn't like him because he's one of you. He is different. And you don't – and for a second, do you don't think that when they get their programming, they're not putting him over as a motherfucker on their programming already? You know what I they're see getting, happening? If they do, If they do AJ Styles versus Jinder Mahal in India – for the title, I think the worst-case scenario is going to be Rocky IV. Either that uh, crowd is going to cheer AJ straight out the fucking gate, or it's going to be Rocky IV, where they boo the foreigner when he walks in, and by the end of the fucking match, that whole crowd is chanting, AJ Styles. I don't say. That. I mean, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to just totally agree to disagree on this one. I don't see that happening in any way. He's gonna go over there. He is going to be the unsung hero of their homeland. I just don't see it. I don't see it. So now we're left with Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles. Obviously, well, go, back to that. go back to we're talking about that tour real quick. Is that still a Raw tour? Yeah. Yeah, it's still a Raw tour. They were going to put Jinder on there simply because he was the champion and representing okay. India. It is a Raw tour. So now they got to bring two people from SmackDown over. No. if uh, Well, if you're going to do AJ versus Jinder. Well, you were going to do that before anyway. You were going to have Kevin taking him on, right? Oh, yeah. Valid. Valid. What if you have the biggest event in India's wrestling history and you have gender take on Brock Lesnar in India. I could see that. I could see that. Well, this whole thing is to move this in a completely different direction than what everyone's thinking here. And somehow, come this time in December, we're looking at gender as the WWE Universal Champion. I think gender is the out here, regardless. Because I do not expect AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar to have a finish. I completely expect gender to interfere in the match and take them both out. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm interested to see how they're going to handle this thing. It's amazing to me that, that when either one of these gentlemen, I, I could see a little bit more with gender. He has the physique to match up with Brock. I would, I would have worried about maybe the bumps he would have to take from Brock. I mean, Jinder is a big guy in that, but he doesn't come off as very athletic to me. He's very bulky. Uh, he wrestles more of like a Lex Luger style. Yep. You saw all of Jinder's offense last night, and it's basically punch, kick, get you down, knee to the head, and the Coloss. Would you be... Would you be devastated if AJ essentially just got his ass whooped by Brock? I would not be because I think AJ can absorb it. Unfortunately, I don't think that can happen because I don't think SmackDown could absorb it, and I don't think the WWE title can absorb it. They've spent so long talking about how SmackDown is the B-show. If Brock Lesnar goes out there and squashes AJ Styles, the champion of SmackDown... They were right. SmackDown's the B-show. 
Well, and, that's another interesting, you know, take into this. Let's say SmackDown does go over in this thing as a team, but their champion gets embarrassed. Does that just make them like a social outcast amongst uh, the others on the roster over there? Well, it definitely relegates the WWE championship below the universal title. And it wouldn't that be if you're Shane McMahon and you've been out here for weeks, you know, you've, you've done some pretty underhanded, you some pretty underhanded tactics to get your point across. Uh, you are no longer going to be playing second fiddle to anyone. You want to step up to prove that you are the superior brand you go out there with your, your team of five, your your women, your other champions go out there and you take the edge, but the guy that's supposed to be the focal point, the crown jewel in your company, gets his ass kicked. I just I can't see it. I can't see a world where at this moment in time Brock Lesnar beats AJ Styles. I also can't live in a world where I can imagine AJ Styles beats Brock Lesnar. I just, it's I can't it's kind of interesting it. with this move here. And I've, it really surprises me because yes, it's always intriguing on paper, but let's even go back to like the territory days. You'd always see this when champ would go against champ. But I mean, I could, I it's could 60 minute. It's a 60 minute draw every time, you know, no one could ever come out because no one was going to budge. You can't, can't make my champ look inferior to yours. Right. Like, I could have seen a case for Jinder Mahal beating Brock Lesnar. As ludicrous as it is, I could have seen a case for it. I could see the case for Brock Lesnar utterly destroying Jinder Mahal. But AJ Styles and Brock Lesnar, I cannot see the case for either winning that match. Or, more importantly, either losing that match. I just have a feeling this is a no contest draw. It might happen fast. Then I, I just don't think I. I don't I mean, even AJ's know what to ar- expect AJ's from that the match, man. I don't AJ's even know what to expect. Get around. It, I think that's going to be pretty. That's you know at least with one thing. You know we're sitting here questioning like who can win from this? How are you going to come out of this? Well, I guess breaking it down to just the bare basics to enjoy what's going to happen. You know just to try to just to kind of invest and be like okay, how are they going to do this? What, what, what do they have up their sleeve here? Like just trying to wrap your brain around AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar. What does that match look like? And outside of AJ getting taken to Suplex City, I don't know what in the hell else happens in that match. That match is going to be fucking nuts. And it might go three minutes. It might go 20 minutes. And I'm not sure that either one is right or either one is wrong. I think you could have the same match in three minutes or 20 minutes. You know? You're right. So many different ways you can spin that damn thing. And I don't know where this leaves gender either. Especially with, this isn't even on the run sheet because we found this out earlier this morning. John Cena has now been named the fifth member of Team Blue. So gender's not on the card. Well, and then he just, uh, let me pull it up here, got the story. Uh, he has just taken since we began recording to um, to Instagram, and he is pretty essentially here without getting into the full paragraph. This is not an experiment. I am not injured. I have not violated the wellness policy. 
Well, that rules all those uh, options out. Where, where do you go with Jinder Mahal from here? Maybe, maybe they just did this move here to avoid having to feed him over to Brock. They can give he can still get that big hero's win in India there. I, I think this was just a a sidestep on, on their part to try to protect some things here. If AJ gets out of India with the title, I expect him to hold until WrestleMania, don't you? I would agree with you. I would agree with you on that, yes. Do you I mean, it, do you agree? Be, do if you, he goes over there in, in genders, especially the challenger? And he escapes from India. Then what? Well, I mean, what was the whole point? Do you think if Jinder Mahal comes out of India with the WWE Championship, he is still champion at WrestleMania? I'm gonna go out on a limb and say yes. Whoever comes out of India with that championship will be your WWE champion at WrestleMania. But I do want to put a little asterisk next to that. If it's AJ, I want to say there is a 95% chance. And if it's gender, I'm going to say there's probably only like an 80 where I could see maybe if they, they would change their mind at some point. Given what we know right now, who is your pick to win the Royal Rumble? Hmm. I'm going to have to get back with you on that one, man. That's kind of tough. I mean, who, well, apparently you've been thinking about this. Who you got? Well, no, this is honestly just off the top of my head. Because, Well, and the only reason that I bring it up is I was functioning under the assumption that AJ Styles was going to win the Royal Rumble this year. If he's the champion holding through the Royal Rumble, who wins the Royal Rumble? I, I think that's really is a question to... That's to answer in a in a month, that's when you're the one that always one. You're, you're the one that always saves these. You keep you're you're a stat man. That's that's put, an interesting one to notes. ponder. Put it put it in the notes. You know, for any of our listeners out there, you know, that want to drop us drop us a comment there to what, how they see this going. This is something that I would have kind of like to see play out over the next month. I, I want to get through India, and then I think we're going to have a, a much better feel for that picture going in to the early parts of 2018 and that road to WrestleMania. Well, I feel like this changes it completely because, okay, so going into India, right? Say that you do gender versus AJ in India, okay? Right. If gender wins the title back, I expect that your rematch is at the Royal Rumble. You wouldn't have the rematch at the Clash of Champions? Oh, shit, I forgot about Clash of Champions. Remember, you, you have a lot. I forgot there's another lot. SmackDown show in between there. Well, you have a lot going on here for the blue brand a lot of sh- that you don't, that you don't have quick. going for the red brand. I mean, you have, you have the India trip. Well, actually, you have Survivor Series. Then you have, well, I can't remember exactly what's going around here. But well, you the have, India trip I, is a raw show. But it has more implications for SmackDown. Well, it goes, this goes back to it. Why are, why are we still assuming that when he goes there, that he is going to challenge 
for the WWE Championship. Maybe they pull something and he actually challenges for the Universal Championship. Wow, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't maybe they just they just do a complete you know a complete swerve here and just and really shake things up? Do you see Brock going to India? You throw him enough cash, I'm sure he'll go over there for a little vacay. Fair enough, enough money anybody will go to India. But then that poses another question, you know where where does that leave all this grand talk of every, every all the build has been for? Roman to be the one to conquer the beast. Well, then you could have Roman take out gender, which does very much seem like a Roman position. And Brock challenges Roman for the title. And then you have someone from the blue brand win the rumble. Or you could have Brock win the rumble. Oh, God, I think people's heads would fucking explode. I wouldn't mind it. I th- and I think it would be a huge, you know, great general pop. I'm just thinking people on the Internet, like, just heads freaking exploding. Yeah, but think of the media attention. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it'd be great. You show Brock, you know, you do the highlight package where, you know, it's him versus 29 other men. And not that he draws number one, but you make it look like, yeah, he just beat up all these other guys. Brock's never won the Rumble. It's one of the very few things on his list of shit to do. I could see it. Then we also you also have another little fun. So you got Clash, you got Survivor Series, you got the India Tour, and you also have Starcade in there too. Oh shit! Yeah. Has how has this affected the card for Starcade? I thought I saw a new announcement for Starcade because it was supposed to be Nakamura and Mahal in a cage, right? Wasn't that the yes. main event? That was that was announced. Immediately when they announced uh, the event here. Uh, right now, officially listed for Starcade 2017 is AJ Styles versus Nakamura inside of a steel cage. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, Fucking hey, are you people in for a treat? Then you have Natalia versus Charlotte. A triple threat United States, Baron Corbin versus Rusev versus to be announced. Sin Cara. This card's going to change up because they still have like uh, a couple of Mike Bennett. They have Mike Bennett and Aiden English still listed as a tag team against uh, your your boys. Brizongo. That's yeah. what, three? <laughs> so they got six matches, and this thing is going to go down November 25th. November 25th. So we got a little over two weeks. So there's a lot that there's a lot of moves that they can make. You know, not necessarily because this is you know truly all it is is a live event. But with the magnitude of having the Starcade name behind it, you know something special is going to happen. Agreed. Agreed. And that's more likely to be something that happens, but in the women's match since you have a uh, a flair at- attached to that. Well, let's talk about the rest of the ongoings. From SmackDown. The show actually kicked off with Shane McMahon's terrible promo. Oh, th- this was j- just beyond awful. Oh, my God. And and it's not even the content this time. It was Shane. It was the delivery and the cadence. And, oh, my God, it was just God awful to listen to through headphones. 
God, awful. Did you actually get the visual here, or were you just doing the same? Well, I, I went back and watched it afterwards, and it doesn't seem nearly as bad when you can see him, but when all you can do is hear it, it is just fucking terrible. Oh, so, can't bury what, Shane what, enough what, on that one. What got me here was Shane McMahon shucking and jiving with New Day. Yeah, and then New Day comes out, and it's like New Day are the pink-clad assassins just i don't know I, I i didn't get i didn't get anything from this actually what i was you know thinking about when i was watching this and i had to go back and and kind of get go through it quickly again just kind of refresh my memory of some of what was going on here because I, I wasn't really absorbing a whole lot because it was just so bad like you said the content not i'm not gonna say it was good in any way because it was just the same that we've been hearing it was just the deliveries of, well, in it, you know, he's still playing that role. Shane, yes, you're Blue Brand. You did this. You guys are in the wrong. You are the heels here. Quit trying to convince us that you're not. It reminds me of that of the kid. I think I've used it before, but the kid on the playground who you've caught doing something wrong, but he's going to sit there and point, well, Sally was doing this, and Billy was doing this. This is why I shouldn't be the bad guy. No, no, Shane, you are the bad guy here. I just I don't I, understand anybody, how they're booking this show. <clears throat> Like, on paper, Survivor Series looks really, really good. I'll give you that, right? But well, like for a, novelty sh- for a novelty show with champions versus champions, it should be a good show. Well, right. But when you get into, like, some of these matches, it's like, okay, so you have Babyface New Day versus Babyface Shield. Then you have Heel Baron Corbin versus Heel Miz. Like, they have thrown away the face-heel dynamic and, like, purposely went out of their way to give you Faces versus faces, heels versus heels. And I, just, I don't quite understand that logic. And just get back to something that, that I've heard Jim Cornette speak to many a times. The old school you know, mentality. And heel versus heel matches rarely work. Because there's... There's no one really there for the crowd to invest in. You don't know who you're supposed to root for. You've got two assholes that you hate. You, you want them both to die. Now, at least in a face-versus-face, you can try to get behind somebody or even get behind both of them because they're playing by the rules and they're just trying to, It's a sportsman. You know, it's a, a gentleman's kind of duel. And I agree with that when it's a one-on-one environment. But when it's five-on-five, five, it just comes convoluted. Yeah, this is this is gonna be interesting how they've done it. And then last year they mixed it up. You know, each team had a little blend, and there was dissension, you know, amongst each team. Which one is gonna be able to hold it together here? And it's really just comes down to Joe this time. Which kind of makes it obvious that we're gonna get some kind of huge turn or swerve here. And I just I just hope throughout this show that they don't try to save grace with too many of these talents, with too many swerves and too much overbooking. Agreed. I think that's the biggest fear of Survivor Series, is it's so easy to overbook it. Then we get the Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens appearance, leading to Kofi versus Sami, which was an awesome match. Very much enjoyed that match. Great match. Something you know, that I would really like enjoyed to see on a pay-per-view. 
Well, it's, sometimes it's nice to see Kofi in a singles match. He's been in a tag right. team now for so long that you forget how fucking good Kofi is sometimes. Like, Kofi is always the highlight of the Royal Rumble for me. Always. What What did you get from uh, the interaction with, like, the promo that that Sammy and KO were cutting? I'm just, I'm struggling to see where Sammy and KO are fitting in right now. Like, as far as the plan goes forward. I think I'm so stuck on that missed opportunity to have them against SmackDown from the get-go. Like, I feel so scorned that they would even, and I know they were kind of doing it sarcastically a little bit, but that they would, but that they keep on hanging on like, well, we should have been on the team. I, I, I'm over with that. I just want them to come out and say like, hey, you know what? We don't want to be here, Shane. We hate you. We hate the blue brand. We hope you guys get destroyed. I hope they burn this thing down. And when they do, we're going to be the ones that build it back up. Well, and that kind of felt like what the point of this promo was. That's right. Even if it's coming now, it's just like it's too, too late. Too late. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I like that at the time. I like right. them volunteering their, their services, being the cocky heels. I very much enjoyed that. But yeah, looking at it now in hindsight, you're right. Like, when you, you kind of explained it to me there when we were reviewing the show, because we came in, I immediately disliked it because I guess I was just so I was being so hard to hit it and determined that I wanted it my way. I guess, but yeah, I understood it there. But now that it's just drug out like this, now it's just completely, you know, gotten to me like where I've completely lost interest in it. The other thing that this match showed me is I'm ready for Big E to turn. I'm ready for heel Big E again. Some of his facial expressions, how he was acting at ringside. I'm ready for heel Big E. You know, he's been kind of foreshadowing that a little bit these last couple of weeks. You know, when he got mad at, you know, Rusev the other day, two, a couple of weeks ago, the Halloween episode for, for knocking the popcorn out of his hand, you know? The suckers? But, but yeah, but you could see that facially. Like he actually, you could see that meanness in him again that you yeah. haven't seen in a long time. Not since like he was with Ziggler as the muscle for Z- for Dolph. God, that seems like forever ago now. It does, doesn't it? It's got to been a couple. What is it? Three, four years ago? Wow. Yeah, at least. Well, because it, it was before AJ left. AJ Lee. Right. So she's been gone quite a while. Yeah, because her and Punk have been gone since what, 2012? No. So, so what, I, the way I took away, what I took away from this opening segment was really, really enjoyed the match. I could have really done, done without, without the, the with the the verbal interaction. Well, and the thing is, it went on for so long that you know you couldn't put a Bobby Roode squash match in there. Like, you, you could have gave this half the time. It would have accomplished exactly the same thing, and you could have featured somebody else on the show. Like, I don't know, maybe somebody else who's on the SmackDown team. Nah, I don't have time for that. Got to get Shane in there, man. It's all about Shane. Or maybe, you know, give me a Fashion Files. You know what I was thinking about? Do you, do you think, like, Donald Trump in his mind... Like, he, like, sees himself, like, he's like Shane McMahon, like, what it really is right now? Yes. Absolutely. I yeah, totally cool, man. That. Like, he, if he could, he'd come out there and in some, re, in some Nikes and do his dance and tell us all why we shouldn't hate him. Oh, don't get me started on Donald Trump. 
I was going to say disclaimer there, there listeners. I, I am a, uh, I am a Trump backer. So, but it's just, I, I know his flaws and all that. So I'm not to it, but I just, I just kind of picture that. Like as I was watching it, I was thinking that's probably like when he looks in the mirror, like what he sees, he thinks he's like how Shane McMahon's characters played out right now. One character who's more over than Donald Trump at this point. Rick, happy Rusev Day. Rusev Day! I am loving Rusev Day, and evidently, I'm not the only one, because Manchester gave us a Rusev Day chant. This made me happy. He's picking up steam. It's time to turn him. I'm telling you, the longer you wait, the worse it's going to be. He's hot now. Turn him. He's your new hot comedy act while the New Day's being thugs. And I don't think you have to go the full comedy act with him because he has that partner in crime there. How, how do you feel about Aiden English at this point? I, I'm liking this duo. If I, I don't they complement each other well. If I don't get an Aiden English versus Elias sing-off at Survivor Series, I'm going to be pissed. Oh, I, I think this will probably be the greatest pre-show in the history of pre-shows because I expect this to fully go down on there. I think they're going to get some time to do a pretty good segment. I'm starting to feel bad for Handsome Ruru, though, because they just won't let him on Team Blue. Uh, I, I was just thinking here. You have English come out. He, he has his little interaction there. And then Rusev comes out to kind of help him, and that sets up maybe an impromptu pre-show match with Elias versus Rusev. I really want to see because Rusev. Rusev's sitting off, Rusev's sitting off the card as well. I want to see Rusev and Aiden English take on Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin. I think that I think that feud would be great, and it would be great for Gable and Benjamin to get their personalities over. Because Rusev and Aiden English are just full of personality right now. Could be the program we see moving out of Survivor Series. I think that'd be good. I think that'd be good. Also on this match, we had our first interspecies match. As Becky Lynch took on Carmella's dog, James Ellsworth. I'm gonna have to, you're going to have to carry me through this, man. Because I, I got a confession that... I figured there'd be some comedy comic spots here, but I did not watch this one. So my phone rang, and as I was going back to prep for the show, I just plain forgot about this. I just plain didn't care. Really unprofessional, but I just plain didn't care. Uh, when this match was announced, number one, I'm not a fan of intergender matches. Never have been. Never will be. But when this was announced, it was like people were expecting that we were going to get, like, oh, give me Mariposa and Marty the Moth Martinez in the ring from Lucha Underground. Not just going to. It's not going to happen. Evilise versus Son of Havoc. You know, and it's just like, that's not going to happen in a WWE ring. They're a publicly traded company. Like, the most offense that Ellsworth gets is he kind of, pushes Becky a little bit. 
The only thing interesting about this was the post-match when Carmella takes the dog to the pound and just straight up super kicks the chinless one. So now the question is. So she dumped his ass. She dropped him like a fucking sack of potatoes, man. Just done. Kicked him right on his no chin. (laughs) Gave him the uh, no chin music. The no chin music. So what do we do with Carmella and what do we do with James Ellsworth? I, th- I still think there's a, a lot of value with Ellsworth. I, I still pop a little bit for him. And he's got his he's got his little niche his niche there. I know that a lot of people have grown quite tired with him and have wanted to see him gone from the WWE for some time. But I, I gotta believe there's a role for him. And I always get the guy props that he went out there. He took a he he seized opportunity, ran with the ball, made it happen. He's after living a tremendous dream. And I gotta think that there's gotta be a spot for him out there for that Joe everybody. I think it's time to send Ellsworth to 205 Live. I mean, you're bringing in Rockstar Spud. You mean to tell me Rockstar Spud versus James Ellsworth wouldn't be entertaining as shit? I mean, yeah, it's lowbrow mid-card humor, but you need lowbrow mid-card humor. I can see it there. I can, I can see them as, working as a duo. Yeah, Demon's you can see them together or against each other. Well, you got to you look at this, you know, because Ellsworth, when he first came in, man, he was just that Joe, everybody, that blue collar. Let's go jobber. Yeah, every man with two hands has got a fighting chance. And then Carmella gets her, you know, her hands on him, and he, you know, he just kind of morphs him into that wannabe uh, jersey. Uh, well, what do you even call that? A jersey boy. I don't even know what the hell the term for him is. He's got that whole thing kind of going on there. Well, you could have Spud come in now is like a uh, a mentor to dignify the man. Oh, my God. Could you imagine James Ellsworth trying to speak with a British accent? Well, you know, he's taking him to etiquette oh my God. classes and, you know, teaching him how to uh, to properly address women and, you know, how to dress. You know, we go back to when he had his underwear and the money in the briefcase and how dirty and disgusting that was. There's so much there we could play off of. With those two, I think that would be great. I think it would be terrible, but I think it would be entertaining and people would watch That's it. That's what I'm saying. It's one of those things that's so bad, it's good. And you, you it's need like the Fashion the Files. Somewhere. It's exactly like the Fashion Files. Do like the 205 Live version of it, you know, where it's just two guys fucking around. But it's something entertaining that people want to tune right. in to see. Eventually, it's so stupid, it gets over. There we go. Still sad. No fashion files this week. One thing that I missed in watching the show the first time, uh, we got the announcement that we're going to get Sin Cara versus Baron Corbin for the U.S. title next week. Yeah, well, the good news there is that you know, there was a report of an injury to Sin Cara. Yeah, so, happy to hear I guess he's, he's all right. What's that, sir? You broke up on me. I'm happy to hear he's all right. Yeah, he's all right. Well, it's you know it's bad timing for him. Well, it sounded like yeah, a kind of a nasty injury too, like he had torn up oh, his ankle or was, something. Was gruesome. Yeah. So I'm happy to hear he's all right for sure. 
any chance this title changes hands? I, I don't think so. I, I think they're they're. I know they've got in mind the pushing. They got some good things for him. He just got that contract extension. This one just really screams wrong time, wrong place. Maybe something down the line. I just think a good showing here that he's had against the U.S. champ is enough to just to reestablish him in the eyes of the fans after being gone for so long. I believe he's only before this this recent string with Corbin. He only had one match on SmackDown Live since wow. since he came to that brand. So this is this has just been a good little program while they're kind of in neutral with this brand versus brand novelty show. So just reestablish him, you know, get him there. Hey, this guy is kind of tough. He's he's looked great, you know, in moments against against one of our bigger guys. But I don't think there's any way in hell they move this title, do you? No. No, I don't expect this title to change hands. However, next week we also have your precious Sharshar versus Shar my Sharshar versus Natty for the SmackDown women's title. Could we be getting to the queen versus the goddess? Again, I think this is one of those that they are. I think we get a dirty finish or not a finish at all. And I think they're, I, it's just one. I don't know. It just, it just sticks in my head that I know they want to have some kind of special moment at Starcade. And to me, there is no greater opportunity there than to do it with a talent that has the last name flair. This sounds like a ridiculous question, considering that we were just talking about AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura inside of a steel cage. But what's the main event of Starcade? Because I think it should be flair versus heart. Is there anything think, more Starcade than Flair versus I think Hart? It is, I think it is too, and and then also what plays into that is what what names do you get involved? I mean, who can you lure away that you know that isn't right up there at Wrestlecade? Right. You know who can you can you get some of those grand names coming in? Can you get Horsemen and things like that? Can you? It's to me, it's more about the pageantry than the match itself. But with that. I do believe that those two ladies will go out there knowing the importance of the moment and tear the house down. I want to see Charlotte versus Alexa, but I don't want to see it yet. Save it. Save it. I think, I think you got a, uh, a, there's so much more you could do with that match than a one week or not even a one week because yeah, then just some random one off show. Right, because essentially, at this point, when this title change would happen, you know, Raw's done. They're packed up there, well, except for maybe if they come to show up to make some noise on Tuesday night. But essentially, they're packed up getting ready for the big event. I also think that Natalia versus Alexa is an interesting opportunity to see Alexa work babyface, to see if that's going to work. I agree with you 100%. Like we've said before, you know, they are setting Raw up where they are the brand playing the babies. So we're going to see more of their talents not going to their typical heel tactics. So, yeah, we're going to get a little sneak peek into it. It's something I had really considered in this match that now I'm actually looking a bit more forward to, 
you know, Bliss versus Natty. One set of titles that we know did not change hands, the SmackDown tag titles, as the Usos retain over Gable and Benjamin. So we're going to end up with the Usos versus Sheamus and Cesaro, which is going to be an awesome match, but very disappointing. I was looking forward to the Shield brothers versus the Usos. Yeah, when I looked at this match and saw that, you know, so it just went down. It became one of those matches that, that I didn't know that I wanted. I think these guys are going to put on a tremendous show. Uh, it's going to be physical. We're going to have your high spot. I think it's going to have something for, for everyone, really, for all, for all sorts of fans. Yeah, I think this match I, is guess, going to be awesome. And I guess the big news out there, uh, for those who hadn't heard, I know there was a scare uh, coming immediately out of the, the tapings that one of the Usos had injured himself, but that looks like uh, nothing to, too serious and that they will be ready to move forward and compete. What well, was just the finish seemed so weird. Just seemed like an odd finish and odd timed. So I, I absolutely understand the speculation that one of them was injured. Yeah, they were they were quick to to dismiss that. So it looks like they'll be fine going forward. I wouldn't expect anything out of them. You know, too strenuous on on that go home. But yeah, Terrible. we're, we're going to get that match, and it's going to be a it's going to be a good one. So I think that's it for the blue brand, unless you got anything else that you wanted to bring up. Uh, I guess real quick, just, you know, just to kind of shoot it out there at you. You know, we know next week they are in the South uh, raw. I know I mentioned it earlier. I'm not 100%, but I, I want to say they are in Atlanta. I believe that to be correct. I know SmackDown is in Charlotte because I looked that up for one of my points earlier. And the most interesting note is there are no live events running against television. So everyone is open. The shows are relatively down the road from one another. So do you see all hell breaking loose or do you think they'll hold off for spots or? Oh, I think all hell is breaking loose Tuesday. All hell is breaking loose Tuesday. Are we going to get that, that traditional? That's how SmackDown goes off the air. Everybody out there emptying, like they're brawling everywhere. I mean, you, you got, you got sons of bitches brawling into the stands. The Backstage, in the ring, up. on the concourse, through the crowd, in the boiler room, in the parking lot, in the bathroom. Yep. All the shit's going to hit the fan on Tuesday. I will say I applaud WWE for holding off. And not having Raw immediately respond and just doing this over and over and over. You know, every because everyone was so eager for that. They're like, "Oh, we got to tune in next night. It's gonna happen." Like, now really think about this, people. You, you got a whole month of this. You can't blow your load every week doing this. You have to wait. Exactly, and that was my biggest complaint about. Well, not my biggest complaint, but one of my complaints about Under Siege was just that they did it so early. It was like, "Oh my God, are we gonna have to do this for a month?" But I think they've done a pretty good job with it. And they've done a good job of building the Survivor Series card into something that people wanted to see because at first it was not at all. Yeah, from the get-go, you know, it was just so disappointing how they came out with this thing. You know, with the Under Siege attack and all, it just makes sense, but they have kept it interesting with where's it going to go. So that's going to wrap it up for the main roster talk. 
I know. Oh, I had uh, one more. I had I had one more thought. Oh. And now we're, we keep talking about, and we came in saying we thought we we're going to blow right through this SmackDown. Yeah. What if, What if next week on Raw, it just popped into my head, a little visual, like the close on Raw next week, like we don't maybe we see some early stuff from SmackDown, you know, just some I don't know some videos stuff like that. But the closing shot on Raw, you got two or three of those big luxury buses ready to go, and Angle is just loading up his whole roster onto the buses, and they're all heading to Charlotte. Hey, SmackDown, we're coming. Yeah, and you got that visual of two big luxury buses taking right. off out of that arena. Rather than sneak attacking you, we're going to tell you. We're giving you 24 hours notice. We'll see you tomorrow. And it just, it just, it just uh, fuck with everyone. Leading the way of those two, two buses is a big old garbage truck. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That would be fantastic. Oh shit! Fantastic. All right, now now I am done. That is my last stop. That I will shut off. I'm turning my brain off because I just suggested bringing back that fucking garbage truck. Oh my god. Well, the main event really was after SmackDown. We finally got the debut of the Ric Flair Thirty for Thirty special. I know we were both very, very much looking forward to this. Oh, this beyond. I mean, this. I mean, this was like knowing Christmas was on its way for me, and just eagerly anticipating, the, you know, its its debut. I haven't been this excited for something wrestling related in in quite a while. And originally, I said I wanted to review the documentary. Here's my review. The first two thirds of it are absolutely awesome. The last third of it is very, very hard to watch, but equally as awesome. It was a great show. Go watch it. That's my review. You know, it's, it's, you're watching it, I, I teared up quite a bit. You know, as I mentioned earlier in the that show. That last Claire, third was rough, man. It wasn't, what, was, what was really cool about it, you know, going back, I, this man right here is the reason that I spell my name the way I do. That, that I have left the K off my name when others in my family have used that. I go with the RIC simply because of the nature boy, Ric Flair, and what he meant to to me as a young fan. I, I could always tell the difference between the WWE, WWF cartoon product and the real wrestling. The men who were out there doing that, that you saw in NWA, WCW. And there was something about Ric Flair that caught my eye. You know, just even as a young kid, I, I always kind of like to have the nicer stuff and kind of be the leader of the pack. And it was because I see, I would see him doing this thing. Uh, even with my group of friends, you know, I always try to stand out and, and be the leader of our horseman crew. One and he's always been that steady all the way through. And, you know, and watching this, it, the stories really weren't things that, that – you know, any of us fans already didn't know that we hadn't heard, but to see them come alive through, you know, especially Flair's perspective, but those that were really with there with him and close to him, uh, I mean, in the, those that that he had scorned along along that way as well. Was there anything in the documentary that you learned that you didn't already know before? 
Uh, not, not particularly about his life. Um, towards the end, probably I didn't understand how much it meant to Charlotte in crafting her direction and changing her life. A lot of what I took from it, yes, I teared up quite a bit, and but on the other side of that, there was a lot of great like times you could just sit back and chuckle and appreciate a good laugh in there. A lot of personal things that, you know, demons that individually, that people individually deal with, that they have a hard time sometimes giving up that party, uh, realizing that there are other responsibilities out there that you need to grow up at times. And sometimes it's for individuals, and I guess it's coming pretty clear that, that I am one of those, that it's hard to look at those things sometimes and realize that you have to change to move forward. I thought one of the better people that they sat down and interviewed for the documentary was Shawn Michaels' contributions. Shawn didn't pull any punches, man. Uh, I was I was going to say Shawn and Hunter. Yeah, um, both of them. Yeah, one, one line, kind of going back, did you learn anything there? I think from those two, yes. You know, you, you really could sense, you know, it wasn't always what we see buddy-buddy sugarcoated with them. It was a lot of, sure, they are great friends and mentors, but there was a lot of tough love and a lot of hard exchanges there. It was real friendship, man. You know, your real friends will stab you in the front. And, I, you know, and Hunter, I, I can't remember the exact line, you know, he was, pretty much came out and said, you know, Rick will, Rick will lie to you. I'll yeah. tell you what you want to hear. Yeah, basically Even said he's a compulsive liar. Yeah. I never knew. Uh, and I think the extent of that, you know, is that not only was was Flair lying to those closest to him. But more so lying, to himself. And I think that became quite clear when they got to, you know, the, the part about Reed. Yeah, I never realized Reed was quite as far into his pro wrestling training as he was that he was that close that was really the yeah, only thing that i i really took away from it i was like oh wow. I, I knew he I, well i knew that he had done some i guess like, i have to go back and say yeah, i did learn some things here but like i didn't know he was really that close to to wwe yeah i knew about did, his amateur background but i didn't realize he was that far into his pro wrestling i remembered the stuff with japan I remembered all that with the ties they had there. But with him just not being able to get over that hump with WWE because he just couldn't pass the test. Fantastic documentary. Fantastic. I thought it was really well done. And I, I it didn't frame WWE in a positive light. It didn't necessarily always frame Rick in a positive light. You know, even at the end... When they ask Rick, how do you want to be remembered? He says, you know, I wasn't a great father. I wasn't a great husband. So I guess I'll have to settle with being the best professional wrestler of all time. And he just has that nature boy smile on him. And I thought Sean really said something when he said, I'm not sure that Rick has ever really taken the time to know who Richard Fleer is. That really hit him. me. That really and, hit me. And what's really cool about how impactful a statement like that is, is in saying that you realize everything that that Shawn Michaels is saying isn't exactly just about Ric Flair, 
it was about Shawn Michaels having to figure out who Michael, what's his hit, Higginbottom? Yep. Having to figure out who his real self was. Find his smile. It's an interesting case in psychology, man. I think that's probably the thing that's really always drawn me to the business. It's an interesting case of psychology study. So when I went to the NXT show here a couple of weeks ago, I had this idea. <clears throat> I don't normally buy the program, but since it was an NXT show and I went with the kids, I picked up a program. And in the back of the program, it has basically yearbook pictures of all the NXT alumni on the main roster. We told me that. I thought that was just, I think that was a, a really cool idea. And then I, I sent you a picture of it last night. Yeah. It's all done in black and white. It, it looks like a high school yearbook. So I thought we would very, play. Very cool. I thought we would play the game of hit or miss, and run through these talents because we give them a lot of shit. Oh, they don't know how to do NXT call ups. Oh, none of these NXT guys are going to be stars. I think there's a lot of these people that we forgot even came through NXT. So I want to do a hit or miss real quick with some NXT alumni. And if there's anything that you want to say about them, we will. And otherwise, we'll just run through them here. Okay. So before we jump in here, what is the parameter? Like how they were used in NXT opposed to where they are now? Or what no, they where they are now. Okay. Where they are now. All right. Dean so if Ambrose. they were at the bottom of NXT and now they're just like middle of main roster, then it's a success. Right. Okay. Right. I, I just, there's a lot of different angles we could go out here, man. It's oh, yeah. There's there's a lot. But, you know, we're, we're, we're going to do this quick. And, you know, maybe at some point we'll revisit this and do it long for There's just a lot of, like, different directions we could attack each one with. Right. Right. But there's some great names in here. So, yeah, man, this is, this is going to be a little fun segment here. Let's kick things off with Dean Ambrose. Do you consider Dean Ambrose a hit or a miss? I would say most most definitely he's a hit. I think that's pretty obvious. I think all the Shield boys are hits. Yeah, these guys have uh, all became main eventers, world champions, but uh, again, featured acts, main attractions. Dean's one of those guys that I don't think people connect him with NXT. But he came through that system too. Yeah, I think he's been much much better off on the main roster. How about Enzo? Do you consider Enzo a hit or a miss? I'd say this one's pretty close, but I think Enzo has been a hit. I'm with you. I think Enzo's a hit. He's retaining audience members. He's making 205 Live relevant. I was going to say, not even retaining. He was improving. Now he's retaining. And he's he's been able to have that opportunity to have that character to truly shine. And if you would have said back in the NXT days and had anyone lay down some money on it, that Enzo Amore would be a singles champ before Big Cass in this company. Now you would have been lapped out of the building. What the hell do I keep hearing? I don't know. I don't hear anything. You didn't just hear that? No. Weird. Huh. Okay. Maybe it's something on my end. I don't know. I haven't changed. I'm sitting huh. alone in a room. In a, in oh, no. It's like a computer house. sound. It's weird. Uh, how about Asuka? I'm going to give this one an incomplete at this time. Yeah. As you know, we've said, 
it's not really fair to even begin judging till about rumble time. So we'll give her a, a pass. Finn Balor, obviously a hit for me. Probably a miss for you, I'm guessing. Um, to this point, and I will say it's a miss because I don't think he is in any better standing than he was in NXT. He was unquestionably, when he was there, you know, the face, the hottest attraction. And now a lot of that could be due to injury, but I, I don't think that he has the full support and backing well, behind the, uh, the top, the brass up there on the red and blue. His booking over the last couple of weeks, that seems pretty obvious. Uh, Sasha Banks, hit or miss. And Banks is one of those... I'm gonna. I was gonna go push here, but I'm gonna go with a miss because I think they're just so stubbornly convinced to continue to push her on us as a face when she is so much better as a heel. I agree, she's way better as a heel, but I'm still gonna go with a hit because she was nominated for a BET award this year. She's getting over in the mainstream, at least to that extent. All right, Bailey. I think we're agree. I think we're gonna agree on this one. Bailey, I think is the biggest miss of this entire group. Yeah, I, they haven't even been on in the ballpark on the planet Earth with her. I, this is one of the most disappointing moves from NXT to Raw and SmackDown that, that we're going to probably see on this list. How about Big Cass? I'm going to give this one a push. I'm also going to go with push because it looked like he was on the verge of something great there. And unfortunately, you know, an injury pops up here and there. Well, and a man that big with knee problems, it's kind of hard to tell what we're going to get when he comes back. Yeah. I mean, hope the best for him because, you know, we were saying there's a definite lack of those big old guys that can go slug it out. He's right there. They just need to realize that they need to eliminate these big guys from taking these pointless dumps over the top rope like that. I've lost my place on the list. Oh, Biggie. Oh, uh, you got Biggie. Biggie. You got Biggie as a hit or a miss? Oh, man. This, you know, this one's hard because he, and this is one of those names that you're saying some people that might not even realize they were in NXT. Yeah, and he's a former NXT champion. Former NXT champion. And I was going to say, you know, he was, he had that great gimmick down there where he had the five count to beat opponents because he was so dominant. Well, I'm going to just take three. He was going to hold you down for five. And I love that run with him down there. But he's been on this main roster for quite a while. And, he, and you look around at that body work, he's done a lot. I don't know if I'm prepared to say hit, so I don't want to give him a complete miss. I might lean towards a miss, but I'll, I think I'll hang on for a push. Hard for me to not give him a hit. That guy has sold a lot of merch. A lot of merch. Yeah, I guess looking that way, yeah. I guess I'll, I'll shift to the hit. One of the biggest hits, Alexa Bliss. I'll disappoint myself, Murky guy. I didn't even think about the freaking merchandise. Uh, yeah, that's. I don't even think we got to talk about this one. I yeah, mean, this I, is a this is a hit. I don't think you can hit a, a further home run than you have right here. Yeah, I mean, this isn't only a home home run. This thing's grand slam. This was one of those we got to get her up there because there's nothing left for her to do here. Hopefully she's still with the company in a couple months and she has seized the opportunity and she is not only one of the best in the division, but one of the best in the company. Tyler Breeze. I'm curious where you have this one. 
I think this is a miss. I know he's gotten uh, some recognition lately, but they've had to go create that themselves with some some side character work. Always saw the talent here, and I never really understood why so many so many people were crapping on the the gimmick coming up. I thought there was a lot to go with it if they had a better understanding and creative there. There was just some different angles that, and things he was even doing in NXT that were just so quickly abandoned. I mean, one of the classic, the classic villains or characters in any form of entertainment, any storytelling, is going to be one of those cocky you know, bastards that thinks he's a little bit better than everybody and better looking. Yeah, I don't understand why they ever went away from the character that he had going down in NXT. I've never understood that. But I'm going to give I'm going to give Tyler a hit because this fashion police thing that him and Dango are doing has resurrected both of their careers. And I think that's something that nobody saw coming when this thing started. See, this is a name that I would like to revisit uh, maybe somewhere on the road to WrestleMania. Because to me, yeah, they're getting they're getting a moment here. They're getting a pop. They're, they're getting a reaction. But it still hasn't translated into a real story for me. It's still, they're still not involved in in-ring action. The thing that I think is incredible is that they're getting pops, and I couldn't even tell you the last time they had an actual match on television. Probably that uh, four-way to determine the number one contender. Yeah, probably. I'm going to give this one an incomplete to Dana Brooke. Mm, I'm going to go with a hit. I think she's in a much... This is one of those where you weren't doing anything, and you're not really doing anything more, but at least you're doing it on a bigger stage. Carmella, do you got her as a hit or a miss? I'm giving her a, a, a total hit. I think she is surprised quite a bit of people out there. I'm going to give her a total miss because I still don't think that she's very good in the ring. And I, I, think, she's, I think she's come a long way in the ring and she has shown personality. She's got some kind of, she at least has somewhat of a character that you understand can get into. So I'm going to give her. I'm giving her a miss. Here's one that goes back quite a ways. Cesaro. Hit or miss. I will want to hit. I know a lot of people might surprise some people there. They think that he should be positioned a little better. Maybe had been given a title run, been in that picture a little more. But man, he's he's been on that stage to really establish himself as one of the not only best but toughest performers in the world. Uh, to me, from my memory, he's going to go down as one of the top tag team wrestlers of, of all time. So I'm going with a hit. I'm going to give you a slight hit. A slight hit. It's like a bunt single. Baron Corbin. Miss. I went from being all into this guy, interested in what he was doing, to completely not giving a shit. Baron Corbin is like the guy who hit like, you know, 400 in AAA. And then he got called up to the majors and he can't hit a goddamn curveball to save his life. Apollo Crews, hit or miss. I'm going to go uh, do a dismiss or a push here because I don't think at any time they knew what the hell they were doing here with him. 
Yeah, I, I still think they called him up way too soon, and I never understood it. What well, never understood was, it. They they knew, hey, we have we got this amazing athlete. He's got a hell of a physique. Well, they bring him into NXT, and it almost seemed like they didn't know where to fit him in there either. So it was like, okay, let's just let's just move him up. And then right there, then it was like, okay, and now he's just smiling black guy. Bo Dallas. So Do you got him as a hitter miss from the company? Well, that's, I mean, that's got to be a miss. And I, I hopefully, if we ever like revisit this going down the line in summertime, that, that would change. But to this point, I mean, he was hot in NXT, man. This is a total mess. I agree. Complete mess. How about the revival? Or is it still way too early to tell? I don't, yeah, I think that one's unfair. We can't, it's not really fair right now, is it? Hardly. I mean, they've spent more time on the injury list than they have on the main roster. Really hope that doesn't hurt those guys, though, because I love them. Ty Dillinger, you got as a hitter a miss. I think we'll agree. What do you got? I'm going complete miss. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I still think they should have left Ty in NXT and had him as that journeyman kind of player coach bridge gap between NXT and the main roster. I think one of you know even if they were going to move him up, what really killed him is when they waited so long after the rumble. He got that huge pop coming out at ten, and then it was like months and weeks before we seen him again. Let's do one more. We're going to split this, and we'll save the other half for the next show because there's a lot of them still. Elias, do you have Elias as a hit or a miss? You know what? Crazy. I, I think we're both going to agree this is a hit, correct? Oh. It's a smash hit, number one single. Ooh, I like that, man. I like that. I like the smash hit and the number one single part. What's what's funny as hell about this is if you go back to all the individuals that just briefly before his call-up and since, he's got to be the most over, right? Yeah, he he's like the male version of Alexa Bliss. This whole thing has come out of nowhere. Nobody saw this coming. I mean, Elias couldn't get over in NXT to save his goddamn life. Well, well, people saw didn't see this coming because you, you have a different base audience down there. And to them, everything's about your moveset, your spots. You know, how fast are you going? What do Alexa Bliss and Elias have? Character. Freaking character. The lost art of character professional wrestling. And I don't care what anyone says. It's all about your character. My match of the week. We're going to go back to New Japan's power struggle. Will Ospreay versus Marty Skrull for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Fantastic match. Check that out. I think you'll enjoy it. Anything else you wanted to hit on this week? No, oh, man. It was a good show. Uh, I thought it's just funny that, you know, when we sit down on these run sheets and we're thinking, oh, we'll be able to cruise through here. When you really start diving into things and discussing it with somebody, it there's always more it, to talk it, it, about. It, it takes on a life of its own. And of course, we've got NXT coming up tonight. We've got Impact tomorrow. It never stops, man. It just never stops. So that's it for episode 11. Coming up on the next episode, we're probably going to talk about NXT and Impact. 
Uh, well, let's see here. Next, I, I know we're going to be talking about all those because next week we've got a lot of go homes. We got we're building up to uh, a takeover and Survivor Series. Next week is go home week, which also means around the pool coming a week from Saturday. Around the pool. Lots of big stuff coming up next week. Lots of big stuff. So that's it for episode 11. Coming up on the next episode, it's red versus blue with a little bit of yellow as we discuss Raw, SmackDown, and the NXT go-home shows. Be sure that you follow the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Find the show on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to Hitting the Marks on iTunes or Podbean so that you never miss an episode. Make sure that you drop us that five-star Meltzer review. Be sure that you check out our support system over at thegorillaposition.com. You can also find Rick and I now on the Hacker Hami Network every Monday as we join Big Ray for the Locker Room Edition. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how do the stalkers find you? Listeners, of course, can find me on Twitter at TheRealRBV. Another little note here. I guess it's safe to let the cat out of the bag. At Jargo Night, we would like to close the show with a major announcement. Your boys here at Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. We're proud to say that we will be joining Big Ray from OneWrestling.com. We're going to be joining him for the Locker Room Monday Morning Edition. It's going to be a, a hot new show that's going to be highlighted on the Hacker Hameen Media Group. Yes, you heard that right. You're going to hear your boys here, Yargo and RBV, on the Hacker Hameen Media Group. Big, 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 big news. Big news for us. I'm going to have to give Ben Hameen $5 just to smack you in the face every time you call me Yargo. Did I drop it in there? Yeah, you did, you son of a bitch. (laughs) Eh, Fuck it. Let's get out of here. Well, I guess that's it for episode 11. For now, we're off like a prom dress. We'll talk to you later. See ya. Watch your fingers. Label me. I don't give a fuck.
with your bitch and I lied. She was at home with me last night. I'll be your bad guy. Why 